you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What is a calling? Is it synonymous with a career? Is it something we do? Or is it more than that? our purpose, our identity. Most define for themselves some vision of high calling. In the Western understanding, calling typically takes the form of a profession or an avocation or maybe an extra professional desire such as parenting or volunteering. By this understanding, it is something we choose, something deliberate and important And this is commensurate with an understanding of calling that is subject to our natural talents and predispositions, and likely influenced by the prevailing authority of culture. Having reached my late 30s, I can now look back with some insight. And by insight, I mean the accumulated wealth of time, the experiences of economic survival, marriage, and parenting and see that my understanding of calling was subject to many revisions. What do I mean by this? Before I graduated college, I had constructed a vision for myself, a calling that entailed civic duty and service. That was, without any real experience and insight, what I thought was right for me. As it turned out, by the way, I wasn't entirely wrong, but I wasn't right. In college, fulfilling my calling meant working in the social services with at-risk youth and individuals with disabilities. Uh, Later, I redefined this idea, moving more deliberately into ministry. And then I redefined it again to teach and serve in the military. You would probably see me today and say my calling is writing books and articles. But my point is that depending on one's age, experiences, time, priorities, and interests, uh, calling does change. In this way, I sometimes feel that chasing a calling is like walking a path in the dark with a few intermittent moments of clarifying light. In other words, the things we try to accomplish here in this world are inevitably shifting and they are always finite. To further confuse things, One's profession may run a spectrum between what is practical and what is existentially meaningful. A job that provides well financially for oneself or for one's family isn't necessarily meaningful. I'll admit that this is also a more Western dilemma. For many across the globe, just attaining personal peace and affluence is meaningful enough. But here's my point. On more than one occasion, I've questioned not only if what I felt called to was something arbitrary and unimportant, 
but also if it was something I had begun to worship. We need to know that as Christians, the worldly idea of having a calling may be subverting our expectation of who God really is, what belongs to Him, and how we should prioritize our lives. So I want to mention two biblical principles about calling based on the mistakes I've made in the past and on what I've read in Scripture over the past 20 years. So, number one, uh, your calling is your purpose and your identity. And all these things are to know, love, and worship the Lord. Everything comes from this. And everything else falls beneath it. Your talents, wealth, service, family. Uh, This doesn't mean that you neglect any of these things, especially if they are obligations. But what this means is that you prioritize your knowing, loving, pursuing, and worshiping of the Lord. It comes first, every time. I want to clarify that none of the things I've mentioned previously are bad things. Doing your civic duty, uh, serving in communities of need, uh, creating artistically, parenting, uh, finding a godly spouse, making an income, these are all good things. But to quote Tim Keller, none of these things are meant to be the ultimate thing. Deuteronomy 6.13 says, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. To put it another way, I heard a pastor once say, The whole purpose of time is to come close to God's presence. So, how do you do this? The first thing is, you truly believe that He is And I'm making some assumptions here. If you're a Christian, this is uh, a prerequisite in the first place. If you're not a Christian, I recommend reading the book of John and reading the whole book of John and uh, understanding the very basis of faith and who Christ, Jesus Christ was, who he is, um, and uh, and really just that reading through that gospel. Um, But presuming you are a Christian, um, you truly ask him, you ask the Lord to reveal himself to you, and then you worship him. It really comes down to that. Uh, This is a voluntary act on your part, both of all of these things. So you truly believe that he is, you truly ask him to reveal himself to you, and you worship him. And when I say worship him, I really mean that. I mean getting down on your knees, uh, lying flat on the ground, putting your head into the floor, um, and in whatever way genuflecting is best for you, but it's putting yourself in a position where you are deferring your worship to the Lord, then you do that physically, and you worship Him. So, number two. When you seek God with all your heart and consider your life's purpose to know Him, often everything else just happens accordingly. And so this is anecdotal 
uh, it's an anecdote on my part, it's anecdotal evidence, but I've seen that in my own life. Um, really, when I put him first, when I worshiped him first, when I worshiped him with all my heart, I didn't really have to worry about much else. Things just happened. Um, I had to work at the everyday things, but I didn't have to avidly and confusingly seek them. Um, it's a truism to say that a rightly ordered life is one without confusion. Um, but sometimes that's just how it works out. It really is that a rightly ordered life um, yields truly less confusion and more peace. Uh, sometimes you may have to, or even should, on occasion, go to the Lord and deliberately ask Him, what is the best use of my time right now to serve you? So, by this I mean living day-to-day -day in the world where you work, your hobbies, etc. Old Testament scholar Michael Heiser, uh, who puts things often in Old Testament understandings, said, God put me here to function in his place and as his partner. What that means specifically can and does change. So if you're not sure how your life is meant to manifest or what it's meant to manifest specifically, you should ask the Lord, what is the best use of my time to serve you? So that's number two. And those are the two main points I wanted to uh, deliver here in this podcast episode. Um, once again, it really comes down to you genuflecting your entire life to Him. From there, with you legitimately, actively, genuinely seeking Him, things fall into place. The rest of it, the rest of it falls into place. The uh, materialistic things, um, the occupational things, the familial things. Um, but if you're already in that place uh, where you're seeking the Lord and you're living in the Lord and you're putting him first, on occasion, if you do feel the need, you ask, what is the best use of my time to serve you? So that's the summation of my two points. Um, I pray that you're blessed. Anybody listening, you're blessed. And um, thanks for listening to this podcast episode. Thank you.